0: Welcome to the Riverside Church podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side by side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org your Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12. I decided this week that this will be our last week in Ecclesiastes. I was talking to another pastor over at PJ's on Friday, and he's preaching through Daniel right now. I said, well, I've been preaching through Ecclesiastes for the last nine weeks. I hope I have not depressed our congregation. And I hope that has not been the case, but that you are starting to see what this book is all about. About And so today we arrive at, as you heard in the scripture, the end of the matter. Don't forget that the Bible's wisdom literature, of which Ecclesiastes is one of those books, is meant to change our standpoint and radically shift our perspective as we look at the world as it is. The way Solomon, the preacher, describes it in Ecclesiastes, he describes that life in this world as life under the sun. And so what we've been praying for, what I've been praying for our congregation, hence the sermon title, if you're in week nine and finally getting why we call it refocus, well here we are, so that we will refocus our lives and shift our perspective so that we might understand how to function and live as, 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 as people who are living under the sun, the wisdom literature then causes us to stop and refocus, left on our own as Ecclesiastes shows us time and time again, we begin to shift our focus to youth or beauty, success, career, personal happiness, entertainment. All of these things we tend to shift towards in this book of Ecclesiastes, has caused us to stop and think, and one way it's done that is to get us to the end, to live our life backwards, as one book written about Ecclesiastes is titled, Living Life Backwards, to understand the idea that this life is short, this life is a vapor, and one day we will die. And so this gets us to get to that point, and saying, how then, with this reality of the vapor of life the fleetingness of life how then should we live one of the mantras and he gets back to this at the end of ecclesiastes you can see in ecclesiastes 12:8 again he says it vanity of vanities all is vanity but don't forget that what he's talking about. We got to get this right. Or we'll think that all of life is meaningless. All of life is just nothing. He's not saying that it's meaningless in the sense that there's no meaning to be found. But he's saying that life is, is fleeting. That word there is vapor. Much like James the brother of Jesus says that life is fleeting. Life is a vapor. Life is quickly passing. So he's not saying that life is pointless. But yes, life is empty and meaningless if we only focus on the here and now. If we only focus on life under the sun. If we leave, as we'll get to in Ecclesiastes 12.1, if we leave our creator out of it, then we're going to miss it. Life is like a vapor. We need to find the meaning of it all lest we will waste it all. He's not saying that life is a waste, but he's saying, don't waste your life. He's not saying, the preacher is not saying that life is pointless, but he's asking the question, what is the point? He's not saying that life is completely meaningless, but he's seeking to find where meaning is to be found. And he said time and time again throughout this book, don't look there. Don't you sometimes wish you had someone older and wiser than you that could point you and say, don't do that, that will not lead where you think it will lead. You've been told, the shepherd, it says at the end, we'll get to this in in just a little bit, the shepherd, God himself, has given you a book to say, don't look there. Don't look in the empty pleasures of, don't look there, it won't give you the meaning It won't give you the point. It will only let you down. So if you've ever cried, I wish somebody would have told me the end of the matter. Well, I got good news for you. Someone has told you. God himself in this book, the Bible that he's written, this is the end of the matter. And so as the preacher closes out his thoughts in verses 11, excuse me, in chapters 11 and 12 of Ecclesiastes, here's how I want us to look at it this morning. In verses 1 through 6 of chapter 11, invest your days. And then as he goes on in verse 7 all the way to the end of 12 verse 8, he's going to tell us not only to invest your days, but to enjoy your years. And then finally, as he closes out this book, he's going to tell us to invest our days, to enjoy our years, and then finally live for eternity. So knowing this, follow the logic of how I'm thinking through this this morning, how I want you to think through this with me. Our days become our years, and our years become what we are living for for our entire life, which then will show how we are living for eternity. So point number one, invest your days. Look at chapter 11, verses one through six. The preacher writes, "'Cast your bread upon the waters, "'for you will find it after many days. "'Give a portion to seven or even to eight, "'for you know not what disaster may happen on earth.'" If the clouds are full of rain, then empty themselves on the earth, and if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the winds will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of the woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And so, the preacher is telling us in these first six books is to invest your days. And he starts off with this very hard to understand Proverbs Cast your care, excuse me, cast your bread upon the water. It's difficult in our day and age to figure out what this means because I've gone to feed the ducks that laugh in your park with my kids, and if you cast your bread upon the water, you will not find it after many days, right? You won't find it after about six seconds because either the turtles or the ducks are just disintegrate and fall down into the water, never to be seen of or heard of again, and so it's very difficult to understand. Verse 1, what is he saying? Cast your, excuse me, cast your bread upon waters, and many days you will find it. Some have speculated of what this might mean. Perhaps Solomon is talking about the great trade that he enjoyed with other nations as he traded grain with other nations. And so he's saying that to invest, to send out importing and exporting this grain, cast your bread upon the waters, cast your grain... Gr- be, be, be a, a venture capitalist. Send out what you have in order for it to return some sort of profit to you. So send your goods out so that you might find some sort of return. Now, there may be some sort of business sense that Solomon is putting in to, to invest what you have in order to see some sort of return. Some have speculated that perhaps what Solomon is after is cast your bread upon waters. The, the the bread, you don't know what's going to happen to it, so you don't expect any sort of return. So you're just kind of given what you have, casting it upon the waters, not expecting to return, but somehow the Lord will provide some sort of return for your generosity. Whatever he's saying, there's, there is, there's no conclusion exactly what Solomon is saying, but there is a conclusion of what he he is trying to get across to us. And what he's after is, for us, either way, whether it's in this business sense or in this personal sense, which I tend to believe it's in this personal sense, either way, what he's saying is, cast out what you got. Whatever bread the Lord has blessed you with, whatever resources that you have, be generous with them. Invest your days by being generous with what you have now verses like chapter 2 21 may discourage us because solomon talks about this he says that i I, i've built all of this wealth and who knows what the next generation will do with it that if i cast my bread out someone might squander it and that is true but what what the preacher is saying if we want our lives to matter if we don't want to waste our lives then we must cast our bread out We must be generous with what we have. Jesus even says this himself. If you are giving something, don't dig a hole and bury it. Invest it and try to multiply the resources that the Lord has given you by investing in kingdom purposes. So if we want our lives to matter, we have to cast our bread generously. Look at what he says in verse 2. Give a portion to seven or eight. He's saying, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Diversify by giving yourself to multiple places, to multiple people, to multiple ventures. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or north in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. So follow his logic. Cast your, cast your bread about, be generous with what you have. Do it to seven or eight. Give it completely. Jesus says, if you want to gain your life, you must lose your life. Remember what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, those who reap Excuse me, So sparingly, reap sparingly. So he's saying, give yourself away, give your life away, give your be generous with your resources, even though, verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. There, there are some things that are predictable about this earth. You can see when it's about to rain. And so, yeah, you can invest in certain things and certain scenarios and know that you'll get certain return, but some unpredictable things happen. There's trees that fall to the south or to the north. You don't know what way it'll fall, and where it falls, there it will lie. So he's saying, when you're giving your life away, when you're investing your resources for kingdom purposes to seven or eight and all of these different scenarios. There are things in this life that are predictable. There are things in this life that are unpredictable. Don't let that stop you and paralyzing you from giving your life away. Look what he says in verse four. He who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will Will not reap. He's saying if all you do is sit there and look at the clouds, if all you do is sit there and look at the wind and try to figure out how things will go this way or that way or the other way, if you spend all of your life analyzing, you'll never give your life away. You'll be like the man that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 12, who is given much. And he says, what must I do with all of my resources? And in Luke chapter 12, he decides just to build bigger, bigger barns. That's what he's going to do with his resources. And Jesus says to him, you fool. Remember Solomon's talking about wisdom. Jesus says, that's foolish just to hoard things for yourself. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is one, Luke chapter 12, verse 21, Jesus saying this, So is the one who lays up treasures for himself in heaven, and is not rich towards God. And so understand what he's saying. Invest yourself in kingdom purposes, and don't miss. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Look at verse 5. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones of the womb of a woman with child. So you're limited in your knowledge. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Here's what I want you to see in this as we continue to build out to the end of the matter. So cast your bread. Be generous with your life. Be generous with the resources. Be generous with your time. Cast your bread and know this. You don't always know how God's at work. That's what he says in verse five. But you always know that God is at work. You don't know what he will do with what you give. You don't know what he will do with the time that you give. All of you Sunday school teachers, you probably have no idea what God is doing each and every week as you are faithful to teach the good news of the gospel to adults and kids week in and week out. And sometimes it doesn't look like much at all, but you're giving, you're casting your bread to seven or eight. Trusting God, I don't know how you at work, because I don't even know how you form the the, the baby together in the womb, God, you're so much greater. I don't know how you work, but God, I know you are at work, so I will be faithful in casting bread. You don't know how God's going to use those conversations that you have day in and day out at the office or with your neighbor. But if you don't have them, then you're not casting your bread out. You're hoarding it, and you're just building up these, these bins. But if you're giving yourself away, who knows? Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So generously, this is what he is after. If you want to gain your life, Jesus says, you must lose your life. For God is at work. Here's the application. God is inviting us, as one pastor says, to be generous laborers for the kingdom of God. This is not exclusively or even primarily about money. It's about having the holy boldness to do seven or even eight things to spread the gospel and then waiting for God's ship to come in. Are you fully invested in kingdom purposes? Are you paralyzed by, well, I I just don't know how to do it. I'm looking at the wind. I'm looking at the, the clouds. I'm trying to analyze all the situations but hear the invitation of our, of the shepherd this morning. Cast your bread. For God is at work. And who knows what he might do with your measly little offering. Who knows what he might do with your bread and loaves. Who knows what he might do with your little widow's mites. Who knows what he might do. Martin Luther said be generous to everyone while you can. Use your riches wherever you can possibly to do any good at all. If anything, we've learned from Ecclesiastes so far is that life is a gift. Because even people who live wisely sometimes, as we saw earlier in this, the good die young. It doesn't always go well in this life for the righteous. Sometimes life is difficult in this world even for the righteous. Life is a gift. And so we give our lives away for the glory of God. So what is he saying? Don't waste your days by hoarding your resources, time, talent, and treasure. But he also says, neither waste your years because how you spend your days is how you spend your years. Look at verse seven. So be generous with your days. Point number two, enjoy your years. Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Verse 8 So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Rejoice, if you underline, you underline that, rejoice in them all. But let them remember that the days of darkness will be many, and that comes in vanity. Is vanity. Rejoice, O oh young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart, put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So there, beginning in verse seven, he's talking about light is sweet. What he's saying is that life is sweet. That life is beautiful. It's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. It is pleasant to be alive. So don't forget this part because in a minute you'll say, I'm not sure he's saying that anymore. So he's saying, rejoice in all of your years. With every day that you wake up, say, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now that looks different for the young and it looks different for the old because as he will go on to say that as we age life gets a little more difficult. The pain that we experience is is a little more difficult to bear, so so he's saying, enjoy your youth. That's clear what he's he's saying, enjoy all of your life, and he says particularly, enjoy your youth. Enjoy life while you are still young. Enjoy your younger years. There's a certain freedom, young people, that comes with being young. There's certain things that you can do that some people just can't do anymore. There is certain strengths that you have. Why do you think that when I was in college, they would send college kids like me all around the world on mission trips going to places that I probably couldn't go anymore because you had to walk 10, 12, 15, maybe more miles a day in order to bring the gospel to people? Because people who had the (laughs) mental say, I don't care, I'll do that. I'm willing to do something bold and have the, the physical ability to do that. Yeah, go do that while you were young. Spend your life generously while you're young. Something else I thought about this, as it also talks about the resources that we have, something I learned even when I was. Uh, working with uh, my family 's business painting houses when I was in high school was to give money to the lord 's purposes, so even from that young age, I began to to tithe and give to the church and i don 't say that to, to toot a horn or anything like that, but I know that as expenses have risen as I get older with kids who have all sorts of uh, medical deals and uh, have all sorts of things that they need and there 's tuition to be paid and whatever else you might be struggling with, I know that if i didn 't do that in my youth, I would not do that as I get old. Some things get harder as you get older. Amen? Whether it's giving, whether it's physical, or whatever it might be. So he's saying, enjoy your youth, but don't idolize your youth. Don't just live all willy-nilly because you will give accounts. Yes, you are free, but you are responsible. So young people, hear this. You are responsible for your younger years, how you spend your life how you spend your resources, how you spend your time, how you spend your relationships. He's not saying go sow your wild oats and go figure yourself out and have all the experiences, all the... He's say, no, don't look there. He's already told you that. So don't start looking there when you're young and figure it out, he's told you how to figure it out. You're called to holiness, young people. You're called to holiness. Youth is fleeting. Things get more difficult as you get old. That's what he says in verse two, before in chapter two, chapter twelve, verse two. He begins to unpack this for us. The sun, the light, and the moon, the stars are darkened, and the cloud returns after the rain. Talk about the breakdown of the body. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low, and it rises up at the sound of the burden. All the daughters of the song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms the grasshopper drags itself along desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets what he is saying here is that your physical body and your life is breaking down i didn't realize this was supposed to happen while i was still 39 right i was opening a jar this this is a true story this is not i'm not just like making this up my wife asked me to open a jar. And so I'm squeezing, opening this jar. And this pain that I've never felt before shoots through my shoulders. Have you experienced that before? About a month ago, uh, a lot of the senior adults are like shaking their head. We don't know what that is. You need to go get that checked. Um, All right, that's duly noted. Let me write that down. Let's go get that checked out. Uh, Probably some nerve damage somewhere, but we'll, we'll figure that out later. Okay, how about I was playing gaga ball, right? With my kid at camp. You simply bend down and you knock a ball left to right. I ended up at a physical therapist getting dry needling from a bulging disc, from not stretching, from bending over and trying to slap a kickball. I thought this was supposed to happen like after I'm 40 or something like that. Our body breaks down. Youth is not forever. But the real concern, the real concern Is not that your body is breaking down, though it is. The real concern is not that old age is coming, because he says, enjoy that as well. Enjoy all of your days. Not just the young, rejoice in the young, but rejoice in your age as well. The real concern is this all of us are accountable with how we spend our years, whether young or old. We are all accountable to the Lord for how we spend our years. The promise for the aging, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. As this earthly tent breaks down, inwardly you are being renewed. If you're living for Christ, if you have the Spirit in you, for the Spirit of God has sealed you for that day, outwardly you're breaking down, but inwardly you're being renewed day by day. And what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. That's the promise for all who believe. So our real concern is not that our body is breaking down. Our real concern, the end of it all, to enjoy your years is to realize that you will be accountable for the way that you spent your years. Maybe you're thinking, I'm old and I've wasted it. I haven't done everything that the Lord has called me to do. Hear the grace of our Lord Jesus from his prophet in Joel chapter two. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten away, the hopper and the destroyer and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of your Lord God who has dealt wondrously with you. The Lord will restore the years that you have wasted. Turn to him now. Remember your creator now. One man once said, many have remembered the Lord too late, but none too soon. How are you living your days? Are you investing them generously? How are you living your years? Are you realizing young or old rejoicing and rejoicing and putting vexation away as it says in verse 10 by living for the Lord, realizing that you will be accountable for your day. So here's the end of the matter. Here's how to live your life for eternity. Chapter 12, verse one. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil day comes and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So maybe there's some older people among us, perhaps that have never trusted in Jesus this morning. It's not too late. Before that day draws near, before you're standing before your maker, get right with the Lord today. Remember the creator in the days of your youth, maybe for you young people who are maybe still in high school or college or young adults, where it might be. don't, Don't waste it. Get right with the Lord now. Follow him. Surrender to him. Maybe the call is to be baptized and follow him and start living your faith boldly and casting your bread generously. Rejoice in the Lord all of yours to the end of the matter. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. The end of the matter, verse 13. Chapter 12 has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's what we've just said. Remember your Creator in the days of you. Isn't that the temptation? We only have to go three chapters in the Bible to see this, right? For Adam and Eve to forget their Creator. He doesn't want us to have joy. He doesn't, want us to have, he doesn't want us to have fullness of life. Yes, we're the creature. He's the creator. But forget that. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. This is still the lie today. Go your own way. Do your own thing. Find joy somewhere else other than your creator. For my creator is stingy. He does not want me to have joy. That's the lie of pleasure, that's the lie of entertainment, that's the lie of the world, that's the lie that you are being fed day in and day out. And so hear the call of Ecclesiastes. Remember your creator. How do you remember your creator is not just to think about him, but to fear God, to trust him and to keep his commandments, knowing that what it says in Psalm 19, that his word is good. It's satisfying, it's better than honey, it's better than anything that I've ever tasted, anything that I've ever seen is more valuable than anything that I know. It will make me wise, it will strengthen me, it will be the lamp to my feet and a light into my path and so I will trust him and I will not only fear him, but I will follow him. I will obey his word, not just know his word. This is the end of the matter. Look at verse 11. Maybe you felt like this along the way. These words are like goads, like nails firmly fixed that are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. And so as we begin to close out this book, have you felt this along the way? Do you see what it says? This is given by the shepherd. All, all scripture is God-breathed. This is all from God. And the good shepherd along the way has taken these goats. You know what a goat is? It's this sharp object that gets stubborn, hard-headed beasts to keep moving and moving in the right direction. So what is he saying? That along the way, the good shepherd, saying, don't look there, goad, right in the side. You stubborn beast, keep walking that way. Fear God and keep his commandments. I'm gonna go after, him. not there. Bah. Did you? That, that's not gonna satisfy me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be still nope, not not there, living generously. And so all along the way, our good shepherd in this book has goaded us to say, yeah, life sometimes feels empty. Sometimes it feels meaningless. Sometimes it feels vain. And he gets to that again at the end in chapter 12, verse eight and says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But when we get to the end of the book, we are not the same as when we began it. Because we realize where true joy is to be found where true wisdom is being found and all along the way verse by verse chapter by chapter the good shepherd has prodded us along the way saying if you don't want to waste your days live generously for the lord If you don't want to waste your years, enjoy every year you have, particularly by submitting to the Lord in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. If you want your life to matter because he will bring everything into judgment, every secret thing, fear God and keep his commandments for this is your whole duty. This is why you are on planet earth to love God and keep his commandments. Derek Kinder said, nothing in our search has led us home all throughout this book. Nothing that we're offered under the sun is ours to keep. But we realize along the way that our good shepherd by goading us all along is leading us home, leading us to himself. Because if there is a God and there is if we are the creatures and he is the creator and we are and if we will stand before him to be accountable for our lives and we will then everything matters. Everything matters. Let me close with this. At the final judgment it will matter how we used our time. Whether we wasted it on foolish pleasures or worked hard for the Lord. It will matter what we did with our money, whether we spent it on ourselves or invested in the eternal kingdom. It will matter what we did with our bodies. It will matter what we said with our lips. The proud boast and the selfless sacrifice will all matter. The household task and the homework assignment will matter how we did it. The cup of water, the tear of compassion, the word of testimony all of it will matter. And if it is true that God will bring everything into judgment, then it is desperately important to us to make sure that we would be found righteous. Because if we stop there, we say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh. But there's good news. The only way to be sure is to entrust our lives to Jesus Christ who alone has the power to save us from the wrath of God. Into this vain world, the Savior came. Like us, he suffered all of its futility and frustration, but Jesus did more. We just celebrated it in the supper. When the time was right, he took the judgment that we deserve by dying for our sins on the cross. His body returned to the dust, like the preacher said, but... On the third day, he rose again, bringing life out of the grave, and soon Jesus will come again. On that day, when according to my gospel, Romans 2.16 says, God judged the secret secrets of men by Christ Jesus, that's what he says in chapter 12. The Bible says that God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When that day comes, brothers and sisters, everyone who believes in Jesus will stand before the righteous judge and look into the eyes of a loving savior. Trust Jesus, whose victory saves us from life's vanities. Praise God. Have you ever felt unprepared for something? Sometimes I have nightmares about standing before you and looking through my Bible and like for 20 minutes doing this number, I can't find the passage. I don't know what I'm supposed to be preaching. That's why I have all these sticky notes because I have that fear that I'm, be before you completely unprepared and fall apart. <laughs> you ever dream like that for work or... Yeah, people have those dreams all the time. Let me ask you, are you prepared for that day? Are you flipping around? Like, how, how, what's gonna, how, how am I going to do this? There's only one life that will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The end of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. Will you turn to Christ today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Oh, we thank you for Jesus.